If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Luke chapter 24. All right, if you do not have a Bible, that's completely fine. It's going to be on the screen behind us. Uh, I should say this as well. If you're here today and you are uh, wanting to have the sermon in Spanish, uh, we actually have... uh, an interpreter that's kind of out in another room right now that is interpreting all of this. And so we have some headpieces that if you want to be able to listen in Spanish, you can kind of head out the back doors there and you'll, you'll see her over to the side. Uh, you can go and grab one of those. But I, I'm excited. Today's Easter. I know I've already talked about this. You're like, how many times can we say this? We can say it a lot more. Watch us, all right? We're going to keep talking about Easter, just the significance of all of this. And at its core, I think it, it's incredibly simple Um, what Easter is and what we celebrate. And yet, at the same time, I think there are so many different layers to the resurrection and what this means and the impact that it has in our life. So many different layers. Um, And like everything God does, there's no shortage of beauty behind all of it. And I want to jump into our text uh, and be able to celebrate together uh, today. And so let's, let's just kind of right now even, even put ourselves, like think about where your head is at. Uh, let's put ourselves just in a spot where we're ready to hear from God. I believe that uh, he wants to speak to you today. I believe that he wants to change each and every one of us. There are parts of us that he would love to remove and replace with just his own character. And so let's be ready for that. Uh, if you are willing, if you're able... Would you stand to your feet with me uh, as we just kind of read this passage that we are going to be looking at today? So we are in Luke chapter 24, starting in the very first verse. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Jesus, we just pray that, uh, that this time would, would be significant to us this morning. Lord, we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. I absolutely love Easter. I love this time of year. Um, springtime, even though it's not my favorite season, all right, that goes to fall. I absolutely love fall, and it's always too short. Uh, springtime is always associated with so much joy, for me. So even though we have tons of snow outside, all right, uh, I'm still excited because I know what is around the corner. And it doesn't matter how many ridiculous snowstorms we get. All right, it doesn't even matter how late in the year they come, they are not going to last forever. Okay, can we get an amen on that this morning? 
All right, let's at least be on the same page. I am so glad this is not going to last forever. No amount of snow falling in the winter can stop spring from coming. And that's what's so beautiful about it. If we get four feet, it's all going to melt. If we get 10 feet, it's all going to melt. And I love thinking about this during the Easter season because I, I kind of feel like these feelings can go hand in hand. All right, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I know that God is making all things right. It doesn't matter how much injustice I am surrounded by or I see, we are moving towards a time where it will all melt away and we will be left with this beautiful creation that God intended from the beginning. It doesn't matter how much disease and death there is, it will all disappear eventually. And that is, that is such a beautiful and hopeful thing. And I want to unpack two different pieces from our passage today that I believe can bring some renewed hope for different people today. And then finish by just kind of reminding us, like, how does this all come together? Why is Easter so important for us? Reminding why the resurrection of Jesus still matters 2,000 years later. All right, so both of the two parts that I want to talk about a little more in depth come at the end of the passage we read. All right, so I'm going to read this passage again, and I want us just to kind of, as I read through this, all right, maybe you even want to close your eyes, but let's just kind of put ourselves into this situation. As we hear the story, you've probably heard this story before, maybe many times. Let's just kind of put ourselves into this as we go through it today. So we said, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Right, now, this last chunk, it's going to stay on the screen here, because this is actually where the, the pieces that I want to dive into today are kind of found in this last little part of the resurrection story. All right, and, and so this group of women, they are headed to the tomb. They are bringing some spices for the body. Jesus had died on Friday, uh, and more than likely, they would have rushed to kind of buy some burial spices on Friday, because remember, it's like three o'clock is what the Bible tells us. He dies. And so for, for the Jewish people, the next day started at sundown. All right, that's kind of totally different from what we think. You know, we kind of have midnight, but for most of us, the day starts when we open our eyes. And so it started at sundown. So the Sabbath was starting shortly after Jesus had died. So they probably ran and quickly bought uh, spices for the burial just to kind of take care of the body. But they more than likely would not have had time to go and actually take care of the body in this way. So what they're doing is they're waiting through the Sabbath and then basically after the Sabbath is done, then they're getting up and they are going to the tomb to take care of the body. All right? 
Um, and, and when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, there's, there's always been arguments like that this didn't actually happen. And, and we see this in, in the account that Matthew has written, that the guards were paid off to tell people that Jesus' followers came and took the body during the night so they could tell everyone that he had risen. Uh, but here's the thing, like if you were to make up this story, you would not make it up in this way. You would do it differently. All right, what, what does that mean? Well, all of the gospel accounts have women going to the tomb first and being the ones to see that Jesus' body isn't there. All right, and then they go back and they tell the disciples. Uh, and, and if you were making this up and writing the story down on paper, you would not say that women were the first to the tomb and that they passed the information on. Okay, why not? Because in the first century Judaism, women were not seen as credible witnesses. All right, both in, in some sacred texts for the Jewish people, the Mishnah and the Talmud, major texts for them, uh, they say that only men, not women, can give testimony. Like in a court of law or anything like that, like they would not trust women. Josephus, who is a Jewish scholar from the first century, uh, he even said, even if there is multiple female witnesses, it does not count. Like, it, they would not listen to their testimony. It was not acceptable. Now, in our translation, it says that the, mis the message from the women sounded like nonsense to the men. Uh, in another English translation that I read, that is a little more word for word, like trying to literally translate what it says instead of just the idea, um, it actually reads this. It's a little bit more uh, blunt. It says, this message seemed to them just stupid and useless talk. And you're like, all right, that is worded strongly there. Uh, that the men did not believe the women. All right, and this, this leads us to two things. Uh, most likely, they are not making up the fact that Jesus' body is gone and that they saw him after the resurrection. Because if they were making that up, they would have written this story differently. Like, think about back when you're younger and you tried to lie to your parents. Like, you're trying to think about every little detail and how do I make this the most believable all right, like that, that friend that always is getting hurt, you better throw in a story that they got hurt, okay? Otherwise, they're going to be like, nah, no way. There's no way he was there and something bad didn't happen. All right, so you're trying to make the lie believable. They would not do this. They would not say that women were the ones uh, that saw him first. And secondly, and this is what I want us to get to today, uh, it doesn't matter how you see yourself or how the world and society around you sees you because God can and wants to use you in his plan. If arguably the biggest detail, the biggest detail of God's rescue plan was entrusted to people that society legally wouldn't trust and believe, then there is nothing stopping him from using you. And this is, this is powerful. Maybe you have discounted yourself for some reason. Maybe you think there are things that you've done in your past. There are things that were done to you in your past. Uh, not having the right talents or abilities and so you can't be used by God. Not being that influential person like someone else that you think of. Uh, thinking that you don't have enough time in your life. Thinking that you aren't the most qualified person. Alright, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how the world sees you. It only matters how God sees you. And he sees you as qualified. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that the very first people to essentially preach the good news of Jesus' resurrection are women. Like we can't, we cannot skip over that detail too quickly. That this is, this is God's plan in this. And so, 
If you're here today, God wants you to be part of his plan. That's the first piece that I want all of us to pull out of this today. Going on in the text, it says, However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again and wondered what had happened. And I do kind of love this because it even again just shows how dumb the men are. <laughs> like the women show up and they're like, this is what happened. I don't believe you. I'm going to go there and see myself. He sees for himself, I wonder what happened. You're like, are you kidding me? They just told you what happened. Okay, anyways. I, I like to come down on Peter because Peter reminds me of myself. All right, just kind of that guy that is always putting his foot in his mouth. Both Luke's account and John's have Peter running to the tomb when he hears the news. All right, now this may sound basic, but think about this. Something happened to your friend's body, so you take off running trying to figure out what is going on. All right, like that seems basic enough, but I think there's more that is going on here. Think about Peter specifically. Think about the last couple of days of his life. Think about the last interactions that he had with Jesus. Jesus had told the disciples that they were all going to desert him. Peter jumps in and says, I never will. They might, but I never will. I will even die for you, Jesus. Jesus responds and says, before the night is over, you're going to deny three times that you even know who I am. You're going to swear that you don't even know who I am. Then you have Jesus asking Peter in the garden of Gethsemane to pray with him. Jesus has just said that his soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. This is the words that Jesus says. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Please, please, Peter, would you pray with me? And Peter, not once or twice, but three times, falls asleep instead of praying. Then Judas shows up with a crowd to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls a sword out and cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus reprimands him and says, this isn't the way. This isn't how we're going to do this. And he heals the man. So that's twice in one night right here, like where it appeared that, that Peter has let Jesus down. That he has like fallen short as a friend and as a disciple. In these last moments. He seems to be striking out. Then when Jesus is arrested and taken away, Peter follows him. He kind of sticks to what he said. He's like, everyone else ran away. I'm going to stick with you. But when they get to the house of the high priest, people keep asking Peter who he is. And Peter three times denies that he even knows who Jesus is. The last time swearing, I have no idea who that man is. And right when that happens, it says, while he was still speaking, the rooster crows. All right, it's the sign that that night is over. Jesus said, before the night's over, before the rooster crows. And when the rooster crows, Peter looks up and he catches eyes with Jesus. One of the accounts tells us this. Across the courtyard. Could you imagine this? Not only have you done this, your friend told you you were going to do it. He denies him. He looks up and he catches eyes with Jesus. And as far as we know, that is the last interaction that Peter has with his best friend, with his teacher, with his savior. This is the last moment that he has. Can you imagine how Peter would have probably played these moments over and over in his head? 
Think about this, that Jesus dies on the cross and you have this day in between. Can you imagine what's going through Peter's mind? And all of a sudden, he hears that maybe Jesus isn't dead after all. Think about that. Peter's thinking, maybe those don't have to be my last moments with him. Maybe I can change that. Maybe I can have a second chance. Maybe there can be some sort of redemption for me. And when he hears the possibility, he gets up and he runs with everything that he has. He runs, he sprints towards his second chance. With everything inside of him, he wants to rewrite the ending that he has with Jesus. So he runs towards redemption. And here's what I love about the Easter story. The same situation that Peter was in is the same situation that every single person since then has. Because of what Jesus did, every single one of us has a second chance at life. We don't have to be defined by what is in our past. We have an opportunity to run towards Jesus and be given a second chance, a second shot at how we choose to live. And that is one of the most beautiful things that we have in Scripture. And really, in a way, this, this is the big story of Easter. We gather together and we say that we are celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and we are, uh, but that is so far from the whole story. It's not just that he was dead and came back to life. Like that happened to Lazarus as well, one of Jesus' friends. He brings him back to life. Last I checked, I don't celebrate when Lazarus was brought back from the dead. There's more to it than just the resurrection. But when Jesus did this, because Lazarus died again, when Jesus did this, there was so much more. He didn't just come back to life. He changed everything. He made a new way forward. Nothing was the same after he came back. He made a way for us to have a personal relationship with God. Prior to this, if you wanted a relationship with God, you had to go through someone else. You had to go through a priest. You had to offer sacrifices to atone for everything you had done wrong. Uh, you had to go through a bunch of rules and laws and try to stay pure so that you could interact with God. Jesus fulfilled all of that. He made it so we can go directly to God. We can go to him. He also started this new way of living. Through his death and resurrection, he was enthroned as king. I think this is hard for us to understand. I'm not even going to try and unpack this entire thing today because there, there's so much symbolism. And at times we kind of miss this because 2,000 years later, like when we think of a king, it just, you know, we kind of think of the king of England probably and there's not really a whole lot of power there and this. And, and some of these things, they, they just don't make sense to us in the same way. But Jesus is enthroned as king through his death and his resurrection. He was moving us towards what the plan always was, a creation where humanity and God could walk hand in hand, where we were partners in caring for creation. At Easter, we don't just celebrate that Jesus rose from the grave. We celebrate that he made a new way for us to live. And honestly, when we only celebrate the resurrection on Easter, if all we do is say, Jesus rose from the dead, yay, Easter, that's all it is. When we only celebrate the resurrection, we are missing the point. We are missing the bigger thing at hand. 
But also when we choose to not run after that second chance that Jesus has given us, uh, this new way of living, we aren't really celebrating Easter. Celebrating Easter isn't done by the meal that you eat and the egg hunts that happen. It is done by the way that we live our life. We celebrate by living in this new way. All right, so like think of it this way. This might be a terrible analogy. Let's say someone is on an organ donor list for a new liver. And finally they get a new liver. And they have a second chance at life. And they are all excited about this, so they call together their friends and family to celebrate this new liver. And they choose to celebrate the new liver by having a big old kegger. <laughs> We're going to celebrate. I got a new liver. How many of us would say we are not appropriately celebrating what we've been given? And in the same way, like when we, when we celebrate Easter by a meal and saying happy Easter, oh, it's great, I love this, and it just stops there, when we don't change the way that we live, in the same way, this is a poor reflection of the gift that we have been given. After his resurrection, Jesus spends 40 days with his followers. Scripture tells us that over 500 people saw Jesus. This time with his followers, it isn't just a fun reunion. It, it, this is a commissioning for what now needed to happen. He is giving them, in a way, their final marching orders before he leaves. It says they talked about the kingdom of God. That's something we talk about a lot here. The kingdom of God is this new way of living. And if you go through the Gospels, this is what Jesus talks about. The kingdom of God over and over and over he says, this is what it's all about. This new way to live. And now you need to live this way. You need to proclaim this new way of, to live to the entire world, to anyone that would listen to you. So when we spend time celebrating Easter, a big part of, of our celebration has to be choosing to live our lives in this new way that Jesus has given us. If we aren't doing that, we are missing it. Easter points ahead to a reality that is coming. Someday, if we have chosen to live this new way as Jesus describes, like for him, death will not have the final say in our life. We will be able to go and be with God for all of eternity. He will make things the way that he always intended them to be. Him and us together in partnership, caring for all of creation. So the same way that I know that it doesn't matter how much snow comes down, which, by the way, if you're keeping track, I believe we are at 131.7 inches. We are, I think, in third. Second place is 0.8 instead of 0.7. All right, so if Mother Nature sneezes, like we're going over that. It doesn't matter how much snow there is, the snow doesn't have the last say. Spring is coming. It's going to melt. And days like yesterday and today, we are already seeing that. Even though we get random snowstorms in April, we know it doesn't have the last say. And it's the same thing in our lives. The resurrection of Jesus points to the idea that there is a new way of living. And someday all of the junk, all of the injustice, everything that's in this world is not going to have the last say. There's going to be a new way to live. And it doesn't matter how much junk happens. It cannot stop what is coming. 
I love that. So I love this time of year and celebrating Easter in the spring and the snow is melting. Like there's just this, it is coming and you can't stop it. And it's the same feeling that we have with Jesus. When a snowstorm happens in April, it's going to melt. When a tragedy strikes in our life, when things aren't fair, Jesus is going to have the final say. Let's stand together as we close. I know that everybody here is is coming from a different background. We all have different life experiences. We have different things that we are dealing with and working through. But we all can have the same hope and the same trust that God has the final say. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter if you're perfectly healthy, everything's great. Your 401k is getting bigger. Things are going well. Or if this past week you were given the worst news you've ever heard by a doctor. It doesn't matter. It's not going to have the final say. We all, no matter what our background is, we all can have the same hope in Christ and what he is doing for us. Maybe you need to hear that, that no matter how you see yourself, that first point we had, no matter how you see yourself, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how the people around you see you. What matters is how God sees you and he sees you as qualified. He wants you to be part of his plan. It does not matter what's in your past. He wants you to be part of his plan. You are qualified and you are more than enough. You are loved in his eyes. Maybe you need to hear that you have a second chance if you want it. That You can run towards that opportunity. Your past does not have to define you. And you can make that decision at any moment. All right, and I would encourage you to take that opportunity even right now, where you're at. Right where you're at, you can begin to have a conversation with God. All right, just as if he were next to you. Because remember, we don't need to go through someone else. Jesus changed that. And you can go to him right now. And talking to God does not require big churchy words or some long prayer. I have found in my life that the simpler it is, the better. And so maybe you want to take this opportunity right now just to begin to go to God. Say, God, I I want that second chance. I want to change how I'm living. And lastly, hopefully all of us, no matter where we are, would understand that the resurrection isn't just some nice thing that God did for his son, but it is foreshadowing. It is a hint It is a signpost of what is promised to anyone who would follow what Jesus has said. There's a new way to live and it's exciting and it's loving and it's rewarding and it's humbly. We live humbly in this way. And when we live that way, it doesn't just make our lives better. It doesn't just make our lives have a greater meaning and purpose, but if we are doing this right, it actually should impact every person in our life. Every person that you come in contact with, their life should be different because you are living this way. The imagery in the Bible is beautiful with this. 
You have God entering the tabernacle and what that looks like. And you have the, the smoke and the fire of him going in there. Then they build the first temple and God enters the first temple in the same way, smoke and fire. They build the second temple and he doesn't enter it. And we see in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost that instead God has decided, I don't need this temple anymore. I want to be in you. And on the day of Pentecost, we have wind and we have fire that shows up and it's God's presence being part of us. And what happens here is you and I, we are walking, talking temples. <laughs> Sounds weird, but where we are, if you are living in this way, where you are, the presence of God is. So when someone interacts with you, do they feel like they are interacting with the presence of God? I know that that's not always the case for me. I know that I fall short. But I'm going to try every day, and I'm going to strive for this, because this is what it means to follow Jesus. That's why Jesus wants you and I to follow him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, let's live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Live in a way that reflects what Jesus has done. All right, and if you're making a decision today to move in that direction, maybe it's for the first time, maybe you've slowly been moving in this direction, and today you're like, I want to solidify that. I want you to talk to somebody about that. Maybe there's someone that's with you here today, and you think that they'd be a good person to talk about this. They'd challenge you. They'd have, they would know how to help you move forward in this. Maybe you want to talk to me. You want to talk to Pastor Aaron. You want to talk to someone else. Maybe you just want to write it on a Connect card. You can check a little box that says, I made this decision to follow Jesus. We want to be there with you. We want to follow up, not because we're adding another number to something, but because we aren't meant to do this alone. Let me tell you, it's difficult. You need people in your corner, and we want to be those people. That's what the church is. That's why we do this. We come together to encourage and love each other and try and move in the same direction. Even as we fail along the way, we're there for each other. So this, I'm going to pray just in closing for us today. Where you're at right now, maybe you want to make a little space where you just can begin to even talk to God. Jesus, we thank you for this sacrifice. Lord, what it is that you did, that you have made a way forward for us, a new way. There's no longer a barrier between us and God. We can go directly to you. God, and I pray that today as we celebrate Easter, that it would be so much more than just celebrating the resurrection, so much more than just a meal and egg hunts and whatever else and getting together with family, that this would be about a new way to live, a new way forward. God, I pray for anyone right now that is kind of feeling a little bit of this inside them, maybe of, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to jump into this. Or maybe I tried it before and I don't feel like it really worked. God, I pray right now that you just would begin to speak to their heart. God, that they'd be able to find a community, whether it's this one, Lord, another church in town, another church somewhere that they would be plugged into so that they don't have to try and do this alone. And Jesus, we just lift up right now even every single church in our town. God, we pray for the Baptist Church, Pastor Matt, American Lutheran and Pastor Ethan, Pastor Callie with all the, the Methodist churches, Pastor Noah, 
at Trinity Lutheran, Father Omar. God, we pray for every single one of these churches. God, that this morning, that as we gather as the big church and we forget about all these stupid little things that we fight about, God, that we can just celebrate what today means. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.